Warning. This episode of Case Craze may include some or all of the following as it pertains to the cases discussed. Graphic depictions of violence, sexual assault, hate speech, abuse of a minor, domestic abuse, animal abuse, and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Calling all true crime fans, this is Case Craze. Theodore Robert Bundy, you are charged, indictment, two counts, burglary, two counts, murder in the first degree. Please note that all of this information is also available on my website, casecrazepodcast.com. All of the sources will be listed there as well, along with transcribed podcast episodes. About a month ago, I posted a video on TikTok. By this point, I'd had my TikTok account for about a year. Here I would discuss some hot takes in true crime. It got more views than I definitely expected it to, with people agreeing with me, disagreeing with me, and at the end of the day, people wanted more. So in my spare time, I have been doing a lot of research for TikTok videos along with this podcast. I was thinking of different series ideas for TikTok, and while I still may do this, I figured I would do a missing persons or unsolved case from each state in the United States. With my home state being North Carolina, I figured I should start there, see if there's anything I recognized. I came across one story that definitely caught my eye, seeing it was an unsolved murder mystery. With suddenly four full pages of notes and about 20 pages printed out and highlighted, I realized I should probably just do my first podcast episode about this. So today I'm going to be talking about the mysterious death of Debbie Wolf. Now some people may be familiar with this case due to Unsolved Mysteries covering it in 1991. When Debbie Wolf a 28-year-old nurse from Fayetteville, North Carolina, disappeared. Her family became understandably concerned. On December 26, 1985, Debbie failed to show up for work, which was odd. You hear this a lot in missing persons cases. Oh, it was so weird. This person typically always was on time. They always let somebody know if they were going to be late. In Debbie's situation, it truly was weird. She absolutely loved her job at the Veterans Hospital. There's no way she would skip a shift and not tell anybody. The hospital was also in a panic. They called Debbie's mother, Jenny, who hadn't heard from her either. Taking matters into her own hands, Jenny and a family friend along with Debbie's stepfather would go to Debbie's property to see if they could find anything. Debbie lived in a pretty secluded area in North Carolina. They were able to find some clues, if you will, but none of it added up. Debbie was also known to be a very neat person but her lawn was completely littered with beer cans of a beer brand that apparently Debbie did not drink. They noted her car wasn't parked in her normal spot. And Debbie was only five foot three, so it didn't make sense as to why her driver's seat was pushed pretty much all the way back. She wouldn't have been able to reach the pedals comfortably. Debbie also had two dogs who she loved dearly, but they were outside and not fed. And they were just freely roaming, which is something Debbie would not do unless she had her eye on them. They were able to locate her purse. However, it was shoved so far under her bed, they almost couldn't reach it. And her nurse uniform just laid scattered on the kitchen floor. Jenny finally called the Cumberland County Sheriff's Department, and then they came out and also conducted another search. 
Jenny went over to Debbie's phone where she had a very interesting voicemail. I'll play it for you now. Hey, Deb, miss you here at work today. Uh, just wondering how you're doing. Uh, if you're able to give me a call up here at the ward, I'm at 822-7007, or give me a call at home tonight. Uh, you've been out a lot of days. Maybe worry when you miss another one. Just want to make sure you're okay. Bye. It's kind of hard to understand, so here it is again, re-recorded. Hey Deb, missed you here at work today. Uh, just wondering how you doing. Um, if you're in, give me a call up here at the ward. I'm at 822-7007. Or give me a call at home tonight. You've been having a lot of days. I was worried when you missed another one. Just want to make sure you're okay. Bye. There's a lot of interesting things about this voicemail, and we will definitely get to them later. The sheriff's department continued their search. They even had bloodhounds on the property, but they didn't find anything. Jenny was incredibly upset with how the police handled their investigation. So, she hired her own dive team to check out the pond that was near Debbie's property. The dive team checked out the pond, and Jenny's worst nightmare was located in there. Looks like a body down here. Are you sure? Let me double check. Debbie's body was found New Year's Day, 1986. She was at the bottom of the pond, located inside of a barrel. So, was this suicide? Was it homicide? They couldn't tell at first. The coroner ruled the cause of death as drowning was unable to determine exactly when Debbie had died. Jenny actually recognized the barrel right away. It came from Debbie's backyard, and you can see the imprint where the barrel used to be. Jenny came forward saying that Debbie was never suicidal. There are a couple things to note from the autopsy. Debbie was found with abrasions on her fingers. Debbie's body was also pretty clean. Where was all the debris from the pond or any of the silt or sand? And in most drowning cases, Drowning leaves the mouth and eyes kind of open, as if they're screaming and searching for help, along with very stiff muscles and clenched hands. But she seemed very calm, and her eyes and mouth were closed. And probably the biggest piece of evidence is Debbie only had a teaspoon of water in her lungs. The medical examiner returned Debbie's items and stuff that she was wearing to Jenny. The craziest part is... None of the clothes belong to Debbie. So far, nothing about this case adds up. And it especially doesn't sound like a suicide to me. The former Captain Jack Watts even today says it was an accidental drowning. Lieutenant Sean Swan, a spokesperson for the Sheriff's Office, said that because her death was deemed an accident, the records were purged. Also, adding this to the list of things that just absolutely don't make sense. Fayetteville had its history of odd cases. In 2002, a special operations soldier was shot to death in his sleep near Fort Bragg. Nine months before Debbie's body was found, a mother and her two children were found brutally murdered in their home, also near the entrance of Fort Bragg base. This can be known as the Eastburn murders. When they found Debbie's body, she was apparently wearing brown corduroy pants that were unzipped and extremely large for her. 
her bra size wasn't right, she was wearing a different bra than one that she owned, she also had on men's Nike shoes that weren't her size, she had on an army field jacket that did not belong to her, or really anyone that she knew, and a black t-shirt with the Pittsburgh Steelers logo on it. Jenny had no idea where this came from, seeing as they did not have any connections to Pittsburgh and they were definitely not Steelers fans. This was all being completely ignored by detectives. And the Nike tennis shoes had absolutely zero mud on them. They looked brand new. And this is important because where the lake started that wasn't frozen, they did find some footprints leading down to the lake along with drag marks. This is so suspicious. I don't see how this was overlooked. They insisted that nobody had washed the shoes. Let's revisit the voicemail. By the time Debbie would have received this voicemail, she would have been well into her shift at the hospital and she would have been clocked in for at least a few hours. So why was the man claiming that she wasn't there? Or that he didn't want her to miss any other days when she had clocked in and had been there? Of course, there were speculations that this was the killer. Apparently, detectives did question some of the patients at the hospital, including the man who left the voicemail. But as it turns out, as soon as the interview was done, he fled the state of North Carolina. The weirdest thing is, is I couldn't find anything on this guy couldn't get a name, didn't know if it was for privacy reasons, he might have changed his name. However, this is incredibly suspicious. And to point out the uniform that was on her kitchen floor. On December 26th, one of Debbie's co-workers said that they had coffee together. He remembered this specifically because he accidentally spilled some of his coffee on her uniform, which was a long sleeve uniform, which wasn't the one on her floor and wasn't the one she was wearing the last time people saw her. Investigators continued to disagree with this murder theory, even though Debbie's mom, Jenny, would not stop calling them, understandably so. Detectives had a possible theory of what could have happened if it wasn't suicide or homicide. There's a little thing called immersion syndrome, or also known as trench foot. Seeing as it was late December in North Carolina, it did get pretty cold. Now, Debbie did have dogs, she did have to take them out. So there was a theory that she had spent so much time outside in the non-freezing yet cold temperatures that she could have eventually succumbed to this syndrome. But it's important to point out that her legs and arms were covered and nothing in her autopsy found anything related to this syndrome. This was pretty easily ruled out. As if this case isn't infuriating enough, detectives would go on to dispute the barrel she was found in. They said her body was never found in a barrel. However, the two divers that found her, Kevin Gorton and Gordon Childress, said they 100% found her in a barrel, quoted saying, You know, metal, rusted, 55-gallon type drum, that's what the body was in. Police still claim she was never in a barrel. So what happened to the barrel? It completely vanished. Police actually never collected this barrel of course claiming that there was never a barrel. However, Cumberland County Sheriff's Deputy Don Smith said that he did see a barrel. Why is there so much miscommunication? Jenny worked tirelessly trying to get justice for her daughter. Over 20 years worth of work. Unfortunately, Jenny passed away in 2002 and all of Debbie's siblings and family have passed. So things remain eerily quiet. until former police officer in the state of North Carolina, Dr. Maurice Godwin, started to do a little bit more research. Unfortunately, like I had mentioned earlier, the case file had been completely purged. However, he was still able to get information on the case. 
including a crucial piece of evidence that could truly help solve this. You see, when Debbie was found, she apparently had semen DNA present in the body. However, there was a lack of DNA profiling in the mid-80s. Was there ever a vaginal swab? Who knows? Dr. Godwin has been looking for it. I used a lot of this information for this podcast from his website. I even sent him an email which was located on the website asking if he had any more information, and if I could use his source. And he said, Sure, you can reference my website. Unfortunately, there is no new information. Regards, Dr. Godwin. I will have this website posted on my website. However, I haven't been able to get it to work. If you can, let me know. It's kind of creepy. I was doing research for this for a little while, and now I can't even access the website I was using for my research. Fortunately, I printed it out and saved what I could beforehand. During Jenny's effortless work to get her daughter justice, people did try to help it the best they could. A man named Larry was a columnist who spoke with Jenny often. They were trying to rule out every single possibility. Here they found something interesting. In the pocket of the brown corduroy pants was a homemade necklace with the evil eye on the end. This evil eye supposedly leads spirits into the next life. Jenny claimed that this was not Debbie's. Only being from North Carolina, I can assume that they were Christian. I could be wrong. To me, this could mean a couple things. Maybe Debbie was looking into other religions, or it wasn't hers. So let's discuss some theories. What if her dog needed to be rescued? Say the dog got into the pond and Jenny ran after it. This still doesn't make much sense of how she got into the barrel, but it's still a possibility. After trying to do as much research as I can, I wound up on Reddit, where people pointed out that Debbie did have a boyfriend, Steve McDonald, who was formerly in the Army Criminal Investigation Division, but the jacket she was wearing wasn't his. It was a small, wouldn't have fit him. So how can we explain why the bloodhounds did not sniff her out if she was just in the pond right next to her house? It was only about five and a half feet deep. How could they not see her? There was so much DNA on the property. The beer cans, any of the doorknobs. Her body was in such fine condition that they were able to have an open casket funeral, which wouldn't make a lot of sense for somebody who was submerged underwater for a week. And Jenny even claimed that Debbie could swim. So if she did get trapped in the water, cold or not, she probably would have been able to get out. My theory is as follows. I believe the person who left the voicemail is responsible for her death, allegedly. It seemed very staged. It seemed like he wanted to place that voicemail there to make himself less incriminating. Not realizing he was leaving the voicemail while she was at work, as if they wouldn't be able to see those timelines. The way he said it and him fleeing the state doesn't add up. I also believe that her body was placed in the water after the fact. Somebody did something terrible to Debbie and then placed her in the barrel near her house and placed her in the water. I absolutely hate that Jenny did not receive any sort of justice on Debbie's murder before she died. Nothing about this case screams suicide to me or an accident. And there are people out there who know what happened to Debbie. They know who's responsible. And I'm hoping that they will come forward and finally say something. Debbie was a lovely person and she was loved by very, very many people. And I think that she has a right 
to be put to rest, finally. And I'd like to do that. If you would like to join a discussion, please join the Discord. You can find it on my website, casecrazepodcast.com. Let me know what you think happened to Debbie Ann Wolf. And please stay safe out there. I don't want to learn about you on the news.